0: Hello, and welcome to ABS in Mind, the podcast from the staff here at DebtWire ABS. We'll take you behind the scenes of the asset-backed securities markets and the loans they help finance. I'm Laura Weber-Sadovi, and I'll be your host today, along with my colleague, Al Yoon. Our guest is Harris Triffin, a managing director and portfolio manager at Lord Abbott, Harris is a veteran investor in securitized commercial and residential real estate debt. He recently left California-based Western Asset Management to join New Jersey-based Lord Abbott, which has about 224 billion in assets under management. We'll be talking with Harris today about the state of play in the CMBS and RMBS sectors as we head into what we hope is the final stretch of the pandemic. Harris, congratulations on your move and welcome. Thank you so
1: much, Mara. Thank you for having me.
0: Great to have you. To kick things off, I'd like to first dig into your outlook on commercial real estate. There's a lot to unpack there, given how the pandemic has disrupted how all the collateral was used, from retail to office and hotels and really beyond. Back in March, you said you were constructive on the CMBS sector, that in the last six months there had been a paradigm shift given rising vaccination levels and stimulus money. What is your thinking and how has your outlook evolved since then? Are are you still a constructive and a net buyer of CMBS?
1: Yes, Um, and thank you for the question. Um, Our outlook has not changed materially since March uh, of this year. Uh, Clearly, over the last two months, there's been continued good news on on the vaccination front uh, here in the U.S. and and certainly abroad as, as well. There's also been uh, continued good news of sorts in terms of additional stimulus packages um, that are just beginning to make their way into, into the real economy. And so, you know, the net result of that is, you know, behavior in terms of consumers and, and workers is, is beginning to shift. I'm speaking to you actually uh, from, from Lord Abbott's office, our headquarters here in, in Jersey City. Uh, I was not in the office, for example, back in March uh, when we spoke. And so, you know, I, I think all of those things are uh, beginning to, to take real effect. And, and that has certainly uh, sort of tempered fears of some of the more existential issues and questions that were being asked of the various uh, property types uh, a year ago or, or even as recently as, as six months ago.
0: I thought it was interesting, I think it was last week, uh, Blackstone's Jonathan Gray said at a conference that he was essentially more concerned about a, a torrent of economic activity as the dam of pandemic is removed and rising prices and inflation than a petering out of the economic growth as uh, stimulus dries up. You recently wrote about inflation as well. How are concerns about inflation driving your investing?
1: Yeah, that, that, that's certainly a, a topical issue. Um We are uh, certainly following the inflation news very closely. In fact, this morning, for example, we had the most recent print in terms of inflation data, and it surprised meaningfully to the upside. And we're seeing financial markets, broadly speaking, sell off um, rather aggressively uh, today on, on, on the news and so it's certainly top of mind, I think, for, for all investors um, you know, at this point of the cycle. And arguably, there's no sector that you know, could be more impacted either positively or negatively, depending on the, the path of inflation than commercial real estate and commercial real estate debt by extension. Um, you know, I, I think our view would be summed up best by saying we think that there is going to be uh an uptick in inflation that will be sustained um that will be a tailwind for commercial real estate both in terms of uh the operating cash flows that we see across the various property types as well as sort of investor sentiment in terms of uh properties as well and the prices they're willing to pay to own certain types of properties at the same time it's certainly it's uh, issue that that bears watching, and I think this is the the comment that that you were reading. This is really where uh, Mr. Gray was was really focused on. If inflation outpaces continues to outpace expectations and and shifts materially higher than uh, what the market has anticipated, um, that would be a, a pretty clear negative for commercial real estate and and most financial assets and and, and markets. And I think the reaction you're seeing today in markets is, you know, just sort of a precursor of sorts to that type of environment. Um, You know, it's, we're not quite sure. I think anyone's quite sure exactly how this is going to turn out um, in terms of the economic experiment that is going on right now. We've never in American history been in a period where, you've had just the absolute magnitude of monetary and fiscal stimulus that, that's been thrown at at the economy. And so as a result of that, uh, historical experiences might not be the best representation or proxies for what we might expect over the next 6, 12, 18 months. So it is a bit of an open question. Um, but I generally, our view, as I said before, is that we will see a, uh, an increase in the inflation rate which should be modest and sustained, not get out of control. And that environment would, would be quite constructive for commercial real estate.
0: Is it, does it play out differently in the different sectors, inflation? Like if you have a troubled sector like retail, does that play out differently or a bigger concern for that area?
1: Well, retail, as as I think we all are keenly aware at this point, has uh, gone through a, a number of, of structural challenges um, to which the experience of the COVID-19 pandemic really accelerated a, a lot of those trends, particularly uh, the U.S. consumers' willingness to shop virtually. Um, and so that really has had much more of a negative impact on on retail than the potential for uh, an inflationary kind of environment over over the medium term. Um, you know, there 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 could be challenges um, that exist again, depending on the the pace of inflation and the magnitude of it that we see over the next year or two. Um, that could have an adverse impact on on uh, retailers and and be another headwind. Um, but I don't think. I, I, that's not the primary risk factor uh, in 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 that property type. Well, what is? Oh, for retail specifically, it's it's what I mentioned before. It's it's just the continued increase of consumers here in the U.S. and, and globally for that matter uh, to shift to shift their buying habits to to uh, to the web and and, and through apps. Um, you know, and we've begun to see properties and property owners begin to try to combat that a little bit, uh, particularly you know as as the economy normalizes a little bit, and you've seen uh, malls in particular and and some of the big box retailers use their physical locations as uh, pickup points for online orders, and you know almost make them. Uh, distribution hubs of sorts um, so you know that that certainly uh, has been helpful on the margin uh, but increasingly we've you know heard more stories uh, particularly for uh, large department store uh, boxes that, that have gone dark and empty over the last couple of years of of uh, creative use of, of that space so non-retail uses of those spaces, uh, whether it's creative office or, uh, community colleges or medical office and things of that nature, even apartments, uh, some, some malls and some big boxes have been converted into, you know, multifamily use. So, so there, there, there's a wide variety of sort of different types of business plans and strategies that are being employed to, uh, you know, make a, a, a better use of, of the of the space that uh, formerly was a department store or a or a you know class B or C mall.
0: So with retail, you have the pandemic accelerating what was already going on. Has the pandemic ushered in any permanent changes to the way we use any like office or other property sectors? From your view,
1: I think that that's a difficult question. It's a good question uh, and a difficult one to to answer. I you know I think that the things are evolving so quickly. I think the pandemic uh, was just such a complete shock uh, in every sense, shock to the economy, shock to all of our lives professionally and personally. Uh, And now over the last three months or so, we're really just beginning to, to come out of it. And I think it's really difficult at this stage of the recovery cycle to make long-standing predictions about how people are going to behave and how they're going to use space. I just, I just don't think we know enough yet at this point uh, to make those kinds of determinations. That being said, um, it seems pretty clear at this point that people are going to travel again, both, both for business and for leisure. Um, you know, that's something that was very much on the table uh, a year ago. And it, it seems like we're, I don't know if, if you or Al or any of your uh, the listeners have, have tried to book a vacation for this summer. Uh, if you've tried, you, you know firsthand how, how difficult it is given, given decreased availability in, in rooms and, and just the increase in demand uh, for everything, for hotel rooms to rental cars to... Airline tickets. Um, so that seems like a pretty safe bet to assume that uh, you know hospitality industry will recover, uh, although it might take another year or two for it to to fully come back to where it was pre-pandemic. Office is is another sector that's become increasingly more in focus. I think for market participants, uh, our view, Mora, is is the answer is going to depend. You, you've seen a, a number of companies, even within the financial services sector, have responded differently even over the last few months. Uh, Lord Abbott, for example, um, is offering employees a, a, flexible, uh, a flexible work schedule where you know, folks can work from home or in the office. Um, it seems like most of my colleagues are gravitating to being in the office three days a week and then working from home the other two. You've seen other firms' uh, investment some of the investment banks, for example, uh, are mandating that employees come back to the office, you know, five days a week, um, and, and starting relatively soon. Uh, the same is true for some uh, some of our peers in the asset management community. Um, on the other side of the coin, you've seen some of the mega cap technology firms express an a, a, a option for cl- or for their employees to work from home remotely 100% of the time. And so it, it very much seems to us that there is going to be this feeling out period. Uh, and each company in each industry is going to respond differently to the needs of and desires of their employees and balancing that against the needs of the organization and the business. So there's going to be winners and losers in our view, um, but it's going to be at a very micro level, meaning it's difficult to make broad brush comments, certainly in terms of office as a whole. Uh, Similarly, even in terms of various cities and and MSAs, I think it's difficult to to make broad brush uh, conclusions about who might be winners and losers. It very well could be something as simple as you know, building A versus building B across the street from it uh, in terms of who wins and who loses in the aftermath of all of this. So there's, there's a long runway ahead. And I think that uncertainty has increasingly been priced into markets and, and certainly seems like it's top of mind for many investors uh, at this point
0: are you avoiding any sector that you didn't avoid before the pandemic in terms of the, the the bonds that are on them? You know, like are you waiting for a little more stability in office before you buy office bonds these days?
1: No, I mean, we've been active. um, We've been active uh, both in, in buying and selling um, uh, securities from, with office collateral. Um, Like, like everything we do, uh, you know, we roll up our sleeves and we do the work and, uh, we try to make a determination of of what we think about the credit, and then you know the relative attractiveness of the pricing based on our our credit view of of the securities. Um, so we we we've been, as I said, we we've, we've purchased um, a fair amount of of office related securities uh, over the last number of months. We've like, also sold uh, some office related deals, um, and we'll continue to do so. I would not say that we're actively avoiding any one sector. Um, You know, of course, there's, as we've been discussing, there's certainly sectors that have, you know, many more challenges. We've talked about retail and and regional malls a little bit already um, relative to, say, industrial or logistics properties, clearly from a high-level perspective. uh, You know, the industrial logistics fundamental outlook is, is a lot cleaner uh, and has a, a lot less variability than, than that of retail or, or, or regional malls. Um, but, you know, we, we, we tend to evaluate every transaction uh, on its own merits, of course, in conjunction with uh, our macro views.
0: Just looking to shift a little to the primary market, I'm just curious. Conduits are taking a bat's seat to uh, CRE CLOs and, you know, floating rate SASBs. Where are you seeing opportunity in the primary market um, in terms of deal types and tranches? What do you like?
1: Sure. So uh, here at Lord Abbott, we're, we're active in, in all subsectors, uh, you know, given that we're, we're, we're a large and sophisticated fixed income manager. Um so we are active in all of the sectors that, that you mentioned within CMBS. I would say that we've been more active in places like single asset, single borrower transactions, and CRE CLOs uh, than we have on conduit transactions on a relative basis. I think it's also interesting to note that this is, the, at least on a year-to-date basis, this is the first time where we've ever had as an industry more issuance of single asset, single borrower transactions than we have had on conduit transactions um you know it's only the middle of may so we'll we'll see how the balance of the year plays out but looking at the pipeline at least on the information we have it, it certainly seems like uh, that trend will continue for for at least the foreseeable future um, and so, you know, I think that's that's a, a healthy sign for the market in general. Um, but it does it does in a going back to some of our conversation about inflation and the impact of it. Um, I think it it, it does bring into in question uh, how how much conduit product. Uh, our market will be able to originate and, and distribute um, in an inflationary kind of environment over the next couple of years. In other words, ha- what's the investor appetite for 10-year fixed rate paper uh, with loan coupons you know, being near all-time lows as, as they are today?
0: Because there's less conduit or primary conduit, are you looking for it in the secondary, or where are you seeing? what You know, what are you liking in the secondary market, or you know, what are you looking for there?
1: So we again, we we've been very active in in secondary markets. Um, we've bought and sold CRE CLOs. We've bought and sold single asset, single borrower transactions of just about every property type out there. Uh, and similarly, we've, we've bought and sold uh, different types of, of conduit CMBS bonds uh, in the secondary market, uh, and, and we'll continue to do so. Um, it's a little bit more difficult, as, as you probably are aware, uh, to predict activity in, in the secondary market. Sometimes there's a lot going on. Sometimes there's not much at all going on uh, on a day like today where you know, risk is selling off pretty aggressively. It's it's really more the latter, not much going on, Um, but we're we're very actively engaged, you know, every day, and we'll continue to to be active and engaged there.
0: In terms of credit bonds, that recovery has lags senior paper. You know, has that finally caught up? What's going on there? Where does that stand? Some people say the pricing for credit bonds have been all over the map.
1: Yes, I think I I think that's that's right, Mara. Uh, It certainly has been. All over the map. However, uh, over the course of this year, um, there's there's been a persistent increase in pricing that we've seen, really, for every type of credit bond uh, in the market. Uh, so you know the gap has certainly narrowed in terms of the recovery for senior risk versus more subordinated risk, and for certain types of credit bonds. Uh, I would say that the recovery is complete in other words we've seen a full retracement of prices from uh, the the sell-off of March and April of, of last year to to where we are today um, that's not true of course of every transaction and, and every subordinated bond uh, but but certainly the, that number is is growing uh, every day in terms of the grouping of subordinated bonds that have made a complete recovery or or a near complete recovery.
0: How would you describe those? The ones that have made a almost full recovery. Uh,
1: so, for example, n- new issue conduit CMBS uh, down through the triple B uh, rated bond. Those securities are essentially being priced exactly where they were. Uh, before COVID-19, and uh, certainly as you move your way up the capital structure from triple B up to triple A, um, you know, that's true of, of it, every rating category. Uh, in the single asset, single borrower space, uh, industrial deals um, are another place where we've seen a complete recovery uh, really across the entire capital structure from triple from A bonds all the way down to below investment grade rated securities in terms of the retracement and pricing. Um, So, you know, and there's many more examples. So there's definitely definitely been a a robust rally that we've seen over the last six to nine months. Um, And it's, you know, continued to make its way um, across most sectors of the market at this point.
0: And how far down the stack is your appetite? How low will you go (laughs) in terms of ratings?
1: Um, we, we, um, you know, of course we pay attention to, to ratings. We have a a number of high quality fixed income mandates, core and core plus type of mandates here, uh, at at Lord Abbott, but ratings don't, don't drive our investment decisions and and credit process. Um, so we have a a number of different strategies and, and funds here at Lord Abbott that, you know, can largely be ratings agnostic, and, and we have the ability to look up and down the capital structure from AAA-rated bonds to B down to single B and, and unrated securities as well.
0: Huh, interesting. That reminds me, um, some people like to say that there are no bad bonds, uh, just bad prices, but uh, you surprised me recently when you mentioned that you, you disagreed. Why, why do you disagree, and what kinds of bad bonds are you seeing these days on the secondary?
1: well i'll uh, I'll go back to what we were talking about uh, before more when we were discussing you know the response of the the various property types uh, to this pandemic um, you know there are some single asset uh, securitizations for example that are collateralized by regional malls where uh, you know it's very difficult to see um, how the asset is is ever going to recover uh, both in terms of the cash flow that the property is generating or was generating uh or its value and so you know as a result of that uh some of the subordinated bonds off uh those transactions you know in our view are are essentially worthless and it's you know it, so it's that kind of transaction those types of examples that uh, i certainly had in mind
0: interesting Another concern that people have is that there was a substantial uptick in the number of CMBS loans on uh, servicers' watch lists in uh, the first quarter. And some people say, you know, that we may be heading into the final inning of the pandemic, that there's actually another surge coming uh, in terms of commercial real estate pain and distress. What's your take?
1: I I don't think so. Um, You know, I think think a a lot of people in our market were – you know, rightly concerned about just the, the sheer volume of loans that were, you know, going delinquent and the forbearance requests that were were from borrowers that were flooding uh, servicer inboxes. Um, you know, as we kind of sit here in in May of 21, you know, with the context of, a, of an economy that is humming along with the the record amounts of of fiscal stimulus and the continued ultra accommodative stance of the Federal Reserve Bank, it's it's difficult to see how we're going to have a huge wave of of distress in this market. Uh, As we've discussed, um, there's certainly pockets of uh, potential credit issues, whether it's malls or Certain office assets, um, and and there are many others, um, and so I think it will take time for a lot of those problems to sort of rise to the surface, if you will. Um, but but I I don't agree with with the idea that we're at the precipice of a of a huge increase in uh, distressed commercial real estate assets or or debt.
0: Before I turn it over to my colleague, Al, who covers all things Resi, uh, I just wanted to ask about the Lord Abbott's new Distress Situations Fund. Will either commercial real estate or, or residential debt play a role in that fund's uh, investment strategy?
1: Yeah, no, thank you for the, for the question. It's a, it's a product that, that we're all very excited about uh, he, here at, at Lord Abbott and uh, expect to uh, you know, have it in the market later on this year. Uh, the fund was designed to have the flexibility to participate and invest in uh, real estate-related opportunities. However, that, that is not the core uh, investment strategy uh, of the fund. So it, it, on an opportunistic basis, could and might participate uh, on, in, in some residential or, or commercial real estate-related opportunities, um, but that that is not, not the sort of core design of the, of the strategy.
0: Okay, so it'll be one-off here and there. Correct.
2: Actually, if you don't mind me piping in here, I'm just, uh, if you could explain to us, please, Harris, what is the core strategy exactly? Are we looking at mostly corporate debt then?
1: That's that's right, Al. That's right. It, it's mostly a, a special situations fund that will be focused primarily on corporate credit related uh, investments.
2: Okay. I mean, I just wonder if that's a commentary on how you guys see, you know, where is the best opportunity going forward? I mean, you know, knowing that Lord Lord Abbott has, uh, you know, the capability of investing pretty, pretty much anywhere. I mean, this is where it chose to start the distressed fund. So I know that's just sort of interesting to think about. You know, we're here to talk about real estate, but uh, there's a lot of other potential distress coming up in these, in these markets, I suppose.
1: Yeah, well, I, look, I think, I think you just examine just the size of, of you know the corporate credit markets and just mm-hmm. the absolute increase in, in size and you look at you know triple C rated corporate names and you look at what's going on with you know CLOs and bank loans and just just the aggregate volumes um, that you know that are out in the marketplace and you know, certainly our view that um, there's going to be uh, a number of pretty interesting uh, situations for uh, the special situations fund to, to invest in. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily interpret the launch of the fund their strategy as, as, as a call, you know, as a broader macro call on, on sort of the health of the U.S. economy or, okay. or corporate credit market.
2: Well, I'm going to take you over to residential mortgage credit, if you don't mind, right now. We've talked quite a bit here about uh, the heightened uncertainty in commercial real estate and CMBS products. And the, the markets that I cover, residential, I mean, it seems that there's a a whole lot of certainty, <laughs> heightened certainty, if you will, in residential real estate uh, credit. Just wondering if you could give me your overview of how you see the residential markets shaping up. You know, I mean, are we leading ourselves into a false sense of security in that market? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I, I think you you
1: hit the nail on the head, Al. Um, it, 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 that market is is really. Uh, much more defined in terms of the fundamental path forward relative to the commercial real estate market um, certainty I think is the word you used and and that that seems like the the right the right adjective to describe uh sentiment there you know, it's really difficult and challenging I think as an investor to uh, find a reason to actually be bearish uh, on housing right now uh, you know perhaps the, the only the only way you could sort of get yourself there is really more just looking at relative value or, or lack thereof, given the near uniformity of sort of the bullish sentiment on, on housing and what that's done to uh, security prices. Uh, but as far as the fundamentals themselves, really anything you look at, um, the, the, the fundamental path is, is is quite positive, whether you're looking at you know mortgage rates, which, despite the treasury market uh, sell-off and and higher treasury yields that we've had over the course of this year, are still at or close to you know near historic lows uh, in terms of where mortgage rates are. You look at you know uh, just people's attitudes in general. I think coming out of the pandemic, uh, clearly a lot of folks uh, were sequestered at home for extended periods of time, depending on where you live uh, in, in the U.S., and uh, particularly people who are living in more urban uh, areas where they had, mm-hmm. had less space. I think you know that certainly has caused many to reevaluate their, their living circumstances and whether or not living in an urban area uh, like San Francisco or, or New York uh, is, is is really the right answer for, for for them in terms of their lives. And so, you know, you've seen a, a big uptick in, in demand, particularly to move to you know, suburban areas uh, really across the country. Okay, you look at, you know, the inventory of, of homes today, again, it's near uh, historic lows, uh, you know, multi-decade lows, in fact. Um, so, you have record amounts of demand fueled by mortgage rates and, and shifting uh, attitudes, let's call it, uh, in terms of you know the where people want to live and what they want to live in. And then that's led to this historic decline in just the amount of houses that are on the market. And then the, the net result of all of that is materially higher prices, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for, for housing record increases in fact, uh, in housing. So it's a, it's a, it's a very, very strong environment, uh, on a fundamental perspective.
2: Let's talk about relative value then Harris. Uh, you mentioned that, uh, I think is, uh, you know, this is how you Play the market basically is on relative value um those aren't your words but i think that's what you were saying and i find it interesting because we've been doing some writing about the credit bonds and the resi space and there has been some selling out there we've seen some holders of like rpl rmbs subs uh, decide that now is the time to pull the trigger and sell those because apparently because there's any negative view on the housing market. But uh, just because those uh, the recovery and the prices has been so strong, apparently it's been irresistible to sell and take profits. So how would you as a fund manager approach approach these markets in in any of the sub sectors in, in resi?
1: Well, look, I, I, I certainly uh, don't begrudge anybody uh, from uh, selling selling assets that have appreciated strongly uh, mm-hmm. over the last few months. I'm assuming that uh, the investors uh, that you're referring to uh, most likely picked up uh, or or bought those those positions, um, you know, last year when at materially lower prices and are, are looking just to to realize gains. Um, and, you know, kudos to them uh, to the extent that they were able to, 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 to execute on that. Um, you know, I think for us, we've been more focused uh, at the top of the capital structure. And I've actually found a, a, a fair amount of uh, attractive relative value opportunities um, at the more senior risk levels for some of the uh, more popular subsectors uh, within uh, RMBs, and so that's primarily where we've been uh, spending most of our time.
2: Okay, I mean, can you be any more specific in terms of what type of bonds you're talking about? I mean, you're talking about uh, the non-QM stuff or credit risk yeah. transfer, for instance. That
1: that's exactly
2: right, Al. Um, Non-QM, uh,
1: credit risk transfer market, reperforming loan market. Um, that, that's primarily where we've been. Uh, focused within the non-agency space mm-hmm.
2: recently. I mean, now spreads are tight there, but uh, I mean, you know, when we look at volatility, I suppose that uh, a lot of fund managers, uh, you know, see this as being a lower volatility play as well. So that's that sort of helps offset the tight, tight spreads. Is that right?
1: That's, exa- that's exactly right. On a risk adjusted basis, uh, even though nominal spreads are, are on the tighter end um, on a risk-adjusted basis, we're actually finding a, a fair amount of uh, value opportunities uh, within those subsectors compared to you know, other parts of the fixed-income credit market.
2: Okay. And uh, specific to uh, the, uh, the CRT market, I mean, are you finding – the liquidity in that market is uh, is is all that you'd hoped it to be. I, I ask because not one of the issuers, the the main issuer, Fannie Mae, has uh, has backed out for the time being, and I just wonder if that uh, affects your decision making at all.
1: Well, I'll, uh, let me just be very clear in responding to this question: liquidity in any of the markets we've discussed today is not what I would like it to be. So okay. that, that I think is a, that I think is a universal truth. Um, at least in in securitized products, Uh, you know, as far as credit risk transfer specifically is concerned, um, you know, as I said before, we're primarily focused um, at the top of the capital structure or near the top of the capital structure and the liquidity dynamics there are appreciably better than they are uh, lower down. Um, But look, liquidity is something that You know, we carefully monitor uh, and and all of these sectors, whether it's, you know, RMBS or CMBS or high yield or bank loans uh, or ABS, it's CLOs, it's you you could go right down the list. So, you know, liquidity is, you know, very important to us, uh, you know, given our size um, and, you know, credit risk transfer is certainly no different in in that regard.
2: In the NPL RMBS, you play that sector at all?
1: We have not done too much in the in the NPL space.
2: Mm-hmm. Is that because you look for rated securities only, or
1: the NPL space is it's it's one where you know for what we're for what we're looking for in terms of uh, the RMBs market uh, in terms of adding it into our portfolios, NPL is just not a it's it's just not a, a credit product that's a good fit for us and and our funds at this time.
2: OK. And I'm going to I'll take you to one last uh, resi sector that is sort of a segue to commercial real estate. And that's the single family rental uh, bonds. I mean, obviously, that's another area that's uh, got some great tailwinds right now. I mean, is that is that, is that an area where, where you'll invest? Absolutely. Uh, and and
1: we have. Uh, so we, we have we have focused much more on the single family rental space. Is this year uh, than we had historically. Um, it is a sector, as, as you rightly pointed out, that's a bit of a mix between commercial and, and uh, residential in terms of uh, the structure of the transaction, first and foremost, and, and obviously the, the credit and collateral profile. Um, given the views that I was describing earlier in terms of, of housing, uh, given our familiarity with, 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 with structure, um, it's certainly it's certainly a space where you know we have found a, some opportunities to 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 invest. Um, it's also a market where we've seen uh, a meaningful increase in new issue activity uh, over the, the first you know four and a half months of of the year. So it's certainly a sector that I think we'll continue to pay close attention to uh, and and be active in.
2: Okay. And just one last question before I put it back to Mara. Just in general in Resi mortgage credit, have you sensed that there are a lot more investors in this space than there were, say, a year ago?
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a fair question, Alan. And 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 I think you I, I think it's it's exactly the right observation. Um it, you know, as you said, it's it's difficult to you put a put a hard number on it, but it, it does anecdotally seem like there are more investors uh, looking at the space. I, I would say the same is true for, for CMBS as well. Um, I think part of that is a function of just the amount of the, just the sheer amount of stress that was present in these markets uh, in the spring and summer of, of last year. Um, and, and even now with the recovery that we've seen, um, even though it's been, uh, n- you know, near complete for 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 most risk profiles, um, there's still some pockets where um, the recovery has, has not been uh, as complete uh, as, as other parts of the market. And I think as a result of that, you're seeing, you know, investors uh, who have the flexibility to look across uh, different types of fixed income credit markets of uh, finding uh, some
0: opportunities. Unfortunately, we're at our time limit, so we're going to have to stop here. But Harris and Al, I I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk about this. And uh, Harris, you've given us a lot to chew on. Hope you can come back uh, as we exit out of this pandemic and we see how we can revisit how this is all unfolding.
1: That sounds great, Mara. I I look forward to it. Thank you for having me on today.
0: Thanks for listening to ABS in Mind. If you're hungry for the skinny on asset-backed bonds and residential and commercial mortgage debt, consider DebtWire.com or tune in here to our podcasts.